0: Do I expect to see the same type of demand in 23? I actually think there'll be greater demand, but the real mainstream has yet to wake up. And when that happens, I truly do believe, Patrick, that we will see fireworks in price, but also more realistically in inability to source product.
1: Please join us for our next live stream, Sunday, January 29th, at 9 p.m. Eastern. We'll go over current events, past guests, and of course, gold and silver news. Once again, our next live stream will be Sunday, January 29th, 9 p.m. Eastern. See you then. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Silver Bullion Television, SBTV. I'm your host, Patrick Vieira. Andy Schuchman joins us today. Andy is the president of Miles Franklin, which has been in business since 1990 over in minnesota and they maintain an a-plus rating with the better business bureau and are one of less than 30 companies worldwide to be approved by the u.s mint as an authorized reseller of u.s mint products and we're delighted to have andy join us once again today it's time to saddle up and still up for andy shekman andy welcome back to sbtv how are you doing
0: Patrick, it's wonderful to see you, my friend. It's been too long, and uh I'm well. I hope you are. You're looking good, and it's good to be back.
1: Thanks, Andy. Appreciate that. You're looking well, too, and um I know Miles Franklin has been doing very well, so I hope for continued success there. And Andy, I want to start off by asking you, how was the demand for retail silver and gold in 2022, and what is your outlook as far as retail demand for 2023?
0: Retail demand in 2022 was more or less unlike any anyone in the industry has ever witnessed. Um, interestingly enough, and emblematic of the name of, of the company you represent, the majority of all of the demand that we saw in 2022 and in 2021, and really going all the way back to 2020, uh kind of... Uh, emblematic of this renaissance in silver demand, it, it's literally was probably 95% or greater in silver. The demand for silver has really been, um, game changing. It, it has really been the main thrust of what, um, everyone in the industry is looking for. And I think it's, it's very hard to not notice the value found in silver when you are open to looking at it. You know, the mainstream is, is more or less still completely void of any participation in hard assets. And although I think there will come a time when they will indeed have no choice but to look at what hard assets bring to the table, um at this point, what you have seen is is a renaissance in silver demand from the pimple on the elephant um The elephant is still fully invested in equities and and in bonds and in real estate and in believing that the road to retirement is traditionally paved with traditional assets like stocks, bonds, and mutual funds and whatnot. But I will simply say to you that We've seen an expansion, but the real stark difference is the massive demand for silver. One of the things that I found most interesting about 2022 was the United States Mint calling us in June or July of the year. Now, we're one of only 27 authorized resellers in the, in the world and telling us that they were going to curtail production of gold, eagles, and buffaloes by 50% heading into the second half of the year, which really made no sense to us. And so you had high premiums on gold, eagles, and buffaloes as well, even when the demand was wholly for silver and silver products. So um, interesting times, there has been uh, a little greater demand uh, lately for gold, but Over the last three years, Patrick, the demand for silver is off the charts and it's four or five X of anything that anyone in this industry has ever done, at least 2022 was. And um, I really don't see much signs, uh, much in the way of of signs of, of it abating here in 2023. The real demand will come when the public wakes up, when the elephant wakes up and says, my God, you know. We had a 25% nearly drop in, in the S&P or 22 or whatever in the S&P. Last year, the, the supposed uh, safe part of our portfolio, the bond portfolio is down 16% on the 10 year treasury. The biggest drop in the history of the 10 year treasury. So all in all, that 60-40 split that we see so pervasive in, in finance here in the West, 60% equities, 40% bonds was a disaster in 2022. And with the way things are looking now, you know, do we see more of the same or even worse here in 2023? And if we see that, you know, for the first quarter, the first two quarters, at what point does the public wake up and say, my God, it's time to pull some money out of the traditional assets and where do we put it? Well, you don't have to look too far to see the value you find in silver in particular. An asset that is depleting in nature that has expansion in use cases, dramatically in 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 green and digital and in, in um, uh, electronic, all of the things that we need silver for, in an asset that is depleting in nature um, and has experienced a renaissance in monetary demand. I mean, you have to really try hard to not notice it. So. Do I expect to see the same type of demand in 23? I actually think there'll be greater demand because what we've seen over the last couple of years has just been a reawakening of the hard money crowd, a slight expansion of the hard money crowd, but the real big wealth. Granted, we did a couple of orders, both of which were north of $50 million this year from two separate people. I mean, that's unheard of. So you are seeing an expansion, into the mainstream, but the real mainstream has yet to wake up. And when that happens, I truly do believe, Patrick, that we will uh, see fireworks in price, but also more realistically in inability to source product, because the last couple of years have um, been really identified by difficulties um, securing product. While right now, is the best product availability I've seen in 36 months? Um, and I attribute that to a few things. Uh, namely, during the holidays, I think after three years of being locked up and, and bound up with restrictions, it was the first time the first Thanksgiving and the first Christmas in three years where you know really people could travel without restriction or fear. And that, coupled with the 2023 allocations being released at the same time, saw uh, a restocking of the shelves, if you will, where premiums have come down, availability is is there. Uh, it's the best time to buy product, I think, in the last three years. But I truly do believe it's it's short-lived because three years now, the main issue in this industry has been securing product at reasonable premiums, and um, premiums have been anything but reasonable in a historical context over the last three years. So, is this a sweet spot or is this a, a sea change? I would argue this is a sea spot, uh, a sweet spot before uh, any type of sea change, and I think the next sea change will be the mainstream waking up and dipping a toe in the water because they have no choice but to pivot away from traditional assets. So I'm very optimistic on what 2023 will bring from a standpoint of business, not so optimistic as what it will bring in terms of economic and uh, geopolitical and social issues. But uh, crazy last few years, and I don't think we've seen anything yet, I guess, is the easiest way to say it.
1: If you're enjoying this interview with Andy Shetman and I, please consider subscribing to our YouTube channel and let the Algos know you'd like to see more content like this. And if you'd like to learn more about systemic wealth protection, please do visit us at www.SilverBullion.com.sg. But, you know, Andy, we did sort of see premiums come down a bit in late 2022. What do you think helped those premiums to come down and do you see them to continue to come down?
0: Yeah, again, I I really do believe that if you go to Thanksgiving, it's like someone turned a light switch off. And the only thing I could think about was to personally reflect. And, you know, I know that this year, Thanksgiving, I was so excited to unplug, to have some cocktails, to watch some football, to be with my family, to not worry. We had 14 people staying in our house where for the last two years, my wife's family wouldn't come here. Uh, They wouldn't travel to Florida. They, they had um, issues with, you know, health issues and didn't want to leave. And it's stressful when you're bound up like that, when you're a prisoner in your own home, when you're afraid to go on an airplane or even afraid to go to the grocery store. That, that is something that has a long lasting effect that I guess probably hasn't even been determined what those effects are. I look at the way it affected my youngest child and, you know, she's, she was in a shell when we lived up north in Minnesota. During the winter, when she couldn't even leave the house because it was too cold and didn't wasn't old enough to drive and there were covid restrictions and all of these things it changed her and moved down to florida it's a different story, but the point of it is is that I think we were all so Bound up for such a long period of time and even missing the ability to, you know, hug our grandparents or whatnot and um, do the things that we've taken for granted for a long time that when 2022 uh, came about the holidays, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, I think people said, I'm out, I'm unplugging, I'm shutting off my computer, I'm going to see my family, I'm going on a ski trip, I'm going to Hawaii to sit on the beach. And I'm going to, for the first time in three years, live life the way we used to. And I really do believe that that had a lot to do with I mean, because it wasn't just us. I talked to you know the big distributors and people in the industry who are my friends. They all say the same thing, you know, business shut off around Thanksgiving. Now it's picked back up again. But um, the new allocations, the 2023 allocations, which come out in November, December. Coupled with everyone just unplugging created an environment that brought premiums down considerably. Uh, if it's anything like it was for the last two and a half years, then no, this is just a respite. I don't think we'll see premiums stay where they are because the demand globally is far greater than it's ever been. This renaissance in demand in silver is not, you know, US centric. You're seeing it all around the globe, whether it be where you are in Singapore or uh where uh uh people I talk to um like Maneco, Mario Meneco in uh in in the United Kingdom. Um this is everywhere. This is all around the globe. People have woken up to fiat currencies being destabilized and uh and and inflation and chaos with what's happening in the Ukraine. And so I think this is not just about the US getting product. I think it's about The fact that there has been an awakening into um, uh, the need to reevaluate even the best laid plans. Now, this awakening that I speak of is largely from a very small group of people. Yes, it's the hard asset people, and there isn't a little bit of an expansion. But I think that awakening will permeate more into the mainstream this year, um, more than it already has and But I will tell you the slowdown from Thanksgiving to New Year's was extreme. It went from kind of like someone spraying you with a fire hose to, you know, um, completely shutting it off and getting dripped on. That's the way it was from all of the last three years. And we hit Thanksgiving this year and bang, it just shut off. Now it's picking back up again. But that's the only thing that I could think of, why we saw premiums drop so substantively. Um and availability just ramped back up. People were just unplugged and have had enough. So I don't think it's changed anything. I think it'll be more of the same here in 23.
1: You mentioned product, and um, you know, with that, the Silver Institute, you know, they're calling for a very high silver demand, uh, especially on the industrial side. You know, Andy, should there, should industrial silver take up more of that, a bigger slice of the silver supply pie? Does that potentially mean less product for retail silver investors?
0: Yes. Um, look, I think, Patrick, there comes a time when the price of silver is controlled and kept too low for too long a period of time. It distorts things like the real world, actual real world supply and demand. And in particular, when you're talking things like um, industrial, yeah, the Silver Institute surmises what a 200 million ounce shortfall Uh, I've read that um, solar panel production could take the majority of all the silver mined over the next 50 years. Um, All of that is true. Um, And when you talk about an expansion in green and digital applications globally, the need for silver is for real. But I also think it's important to understand that you know you look to a, a, a the main sources of supply like the LBMA, who came out recently and publicly said that if silver demand for delivery is like it was in 2022, that and where we saw a unprecedented net outflow of over 10,000 tons silver out of the LBMA vaults. They say if demand stays like it did in 22, there won't be enough silver supply left in 23, where we see the lowest number of ounces held in the LBMA in their 140-year history since they started keeping records. We look at the drawdown of supply off of COMEX, where the registered category, which is the category where... um, the bars are available for immediate delivery, that that category that really backs the open contracts, there's 33 million ounces there. India imported 300 million ounces this year. Supply is diminishing as the green footprint is expanding, as the renaissance into monetary demand is expanding. As you have things like the Belt Road Initiative, which you and I have talked about before, which is the largest infrastructure project in human history, not just, uh, doing things with, you know, maritime channels and roads and bridges and railways, but it connecting 80% of human population digitally. The need for silver is real. How about Tomahawk cruise missiles that are being fired off in the Ukraine like lollipops? There's five hundred ounces of silver, nearly, almost, exactly in the tip of every in the guidance system, in the tip of every Tomahawk cruise missile. So whether you're talking military, uh, whether you're talking green, digital, um, the the need for silver, or monetarily to protect yourself, the need for silver is real. And what makes it so interesting is not only are the supply centers like the LBMA and the COMEX being bled down to record levels off of platforms that were never really thought of as delivery platforms. But at the same time, we're seeing the geologic footprint disappear. And Keith Newmeyer, who I know you've spoken to before, or the CEO of First Majestic, will tell you that for 5,000 years, it came out of the ground at 16 to 1, meaning 16 ounces of silver for every one ounce of gold. And even though it's priced at near 80 to 1 right now, which is a historical anomaly, one that should be taken advantage of, mind you, um, when I ask Keith about that, he'll say he doesn't care about that. He only cares about the mining ratio. And that mining ratio says it's coming out of the ground at 7 to 1. So it's a depleted asset that's been cut in half in terms of its geologic footprint over the last 5,000 years. And, uh, put it all together, you have a diminishing supply, a increase in demand that has duality in demand in both industrial and monetary. From every standpoint, it checks all of the boxes as being an, an investment that you, it's, it's generationally sound. And, and I don't think you see opportunities like this very often, but again, once in a generation, I think it's the, most undervalued, underappreciated asset on the planet that we can't live without. And that'll change.
1: Right. You know, with, with all these things that you're saying here and you had mentioned how, how the masses are, are mainstream, just not awake to silver right now. What do you think it's going to take for them to, to see all of these things that, that we're talking about here and finally, uh, be able to pull the trigger and start coming into, to silver?
0: I think the big money understands that people are only really motivated by price. People are too busy to open up the hood and look underneath and see the fundamentals. And, you know, what betrays the price and the rhetoric is the draw, drawdown of supply off the major exchanges. The only people that have the ability to draw down copious amounts of silver and gold from the main exchanges are those that are very sophisticated and very well healed. You have very wealthy, sophisticated players that are closest not only to the money, but also to the information. And they know what's coming. And so they are using the suppressed price on COMEX to drain the coffers, to front-run what is coming next. They are positioning. The biggest money in the world always front-runs. The biggest money in the world always positions when the rest of the people are asleep, wondering why would they ever do that? Uh normally they don't even wonder because they don't know what's happening. If you look at the mainstream, they don't talk about any of this. Um, you know, they should be talking about when they when they're talking about commodities, they should talk about how the LBMA is at at the lowest level of zinc or aluminum that they've ever had, 90% drawdown in zinc, a 75% drawdown in aluminum. At the same time, I see another article out of Reuters. that says China claims they have 20% of the aluminum, global aluminum stockpiles. Who do you think's buying all this stuff? It's moving eastward, and it's moving to, a, to strong hands away from the West who suppresses price to make their currency seem better, and it's being used against us. When these at, when these commodities rally, in particular the monetary metals, it, it signals weakness in the currencies. Frailty, if you will. The, the emperor wears no clothes type of deal. And, um, I think the people will wake up when the price explodes, but the price will have exploded after the biggest money in the world has repositioned. And, This is a game where if you are not a contrarian, I think ultimately you'll end up a victim. It's time for people to wake up and realize we are in the very late stages of this Keynesian experiment, which I think is is going to end badly. Um, And precious metals are really, in my mind, one of the only places to safely put your money. And it's not about return on it. It's about return of it. And yes, if you own enough gold and silver, you may be wealthy, but that's not why you buy it. I think gold and silver are wealth, and um, yeah, you own enough, you'll be wealthy, but that's not why you buy it. You buy it, I think, right now to get out of the way of the demolition of, of the world reserve currency, and I think that's coming. I really, truly believe the dollar is going to experience not only major competition globally, for its reserve status, but also the ramifications of suppressing interest rates for so long and pumping so much money into the system, which has created massive distortions in asset prices and uh, misallocations of capital and resources. And as interest rates rise, we will feel that pain. The massive spike in interest rates hasn't been felt yet. It's never They have never been this aggressive in raising rates. It usually takes about six months to funnel its way through the system. That puts us at about April or May when, pardon my French, the shit hits the fan here in this country, and I think it will. And people will wake up and be like, oh, my God, what do we do now? And looking to gold and silver, but remember, who's been taking possession of it for the last two years? Oh, yeah, the biggest money in the world has been front-running what is coming. And it it provides less opportunity for those Johnny-come-latelys or very late in the game to position themselves when already the biggest money in the world has taken so much of the available supply off the shelves.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, Andy, when when you talk about the U.S. dollar being the reserve currency, um, you know, with, with the dollar, a lot of people do expect it to sort of um, fade away, so to speak. They expect, you know, either a type of a new currency, maybe even a central bank digital currency to to come into play, Well, before we get there, of course, we have to go through a transitional period to get from here to there. What do you think that transitional period is going to look like from the US dollar to a central bank digital currency? Or have we, are we already in this transitional period?
0: I don't know what the transitional period is going to be. I mean, look, you can see a transitional period already when you're seeing all of these countries launch their CBDCs. Um you can see that you know the US is already working on it. They're also working on something called Project CEDAR, I believe, which is a cross-bank digital currency payment system. Uh you're seeing the Project Embridge, which was a joint venture between the United Arab Emirates, China, and I wanna say Singapore. I could be wrong about that third country. Uh I do know that it is UAE and China, and I thought it was Singapore on the third country, but Regardless, what it is is a, a, a cross-bank payment system that utilizes central bank digital currencies that sidesteps the SWIFT system. What you are witnessing, I really do believe, is a coalition of countries that are, are, are gathering together to rally against the, uh, the hypocrisy of the West, the sanctions of the West. Um, I think you will see more agreements that are being made globally outside the U.S. dollar. That's really the most important thing. And what rises from the ashes, I'm not quite sure. But there will be a transition. And I think it will ultimately be away from the U.S. dollar. When you see Saudi Arabia not only making an admission that China is their their most important trading partner in oil this year, but for the next 50, it's very telling. When you see Saudi Arabia... Saying we're going to join the BRICS nations, uh, this is very telling. When you see all of the 13 OPEC producing countries on the Belt Road Initiative, uh, this is very telling. You are seeing the chess pieces being put into place to challenge um, the dollar, and I I think that uh, that that's happening. And you know, you you get people talk about well, how would the BRICS in all of these countries, which do represent a very significant portion of human population when you add the BRICS-plus countries into it. The Shanghai Corporation Organization and the Belt Road, cumulatively, they're near 90% of human population. I hear people say, well, you know, the the euro didn't work when you had all these countries together. You're right. But what will make this work, the rallying cry is to get all these countries together is against the... Um, uh the the western sanctions and and um the hegemony and the um, you know the what we the weaponizing of the dollar is bringing everyone to the table what will make it work is what we've been told will will back the new BRICS currency and that is commodities they are going to use commodities and in particular i believe it'll be gold uh, to back a new world reserve standard and to challenge the dollar. And that's what will make it work. It's the rallying cry against you know, the sanctions and the hypocrisy of the West that gets everyone to the table. It's the pledging of commodities to a new system. And I believe they will use this new distributed ledger technology, CBDC, to show the pegging to the world, the immutability, the veracity of what each country has pegged. And we've been told this by... You know, by the Russians and the Chinese, that not only will they issue, BRICS issue a new currency, reserve currency, but it'll be pegged to commodities. This is how you make it work. You give everyone equal footing at the table with, with what they've pledged to the system. Um, and I think it's coming, because what has made the dollar, the World Reserve, is the protection of the Saudi Kingdom, and OPEC, as a result, denominating oil in dollars globally, that is coming to an end. When that happens, the shit hits the fan, Patrick, and and it's anyone's guess how it plays out. But I think if the whole world no longer needs to hold dollars and dumps them because they are now taking the Petro Yuan uh, or the the new bricks currency or or gold or whatever it may be, uh it's a whole new ball game because the demand for the dollar. This, this synthetic demand that has been created since 1974 because the Saudis said, fine, you protect us, we'll denominate oil globally through OPEC, where 85% of all oil has been in dollars. Yeah, it's going to be a, 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 a generational shift. It, things are going to change the way that they used to be. For all of our lives in the United States, it's going to change. And, and really we've been living Above our means, largely to the good graces of our foreign creditors and to OPEC, that's all changing.
1: You know, speaking of uh, shifting uh, shifts and, and changes, uh, can't help but to to take a look at what's going on in Davos. Um, how did this this group of generally unelected people seemingly construct a sort of like a coup against the majority of developed world governments and and take it over, where governments pretty much are willfully following organizations like the World Economic Forum.
0: It's it's very scary. Um, certainly they don't they're not representative of, of the people in this country. It's it's a very scary thing. I have no idea how they were able to permeate their way into the system, but I guess money corrupts, power corrupts, and you're talking the wealthiest, most powerful people in the world. Um Well, I guess remains to be seen if they'll be successful or not, but there's no question about it that it's, it's very concerning and frightening listening to the, to the way people talk, like Al Gore, uh, talking about, you know, the world dying because of, of, um, climate change, uh, yet he's being, he owns a company that's, that's, um, something to the extent has like 20 billion dollars in it. Um, that largely that he's raised uh and he's paid 2 million dollars a month to fly a private jet around the world and tell everyone how climate change is killing everybody it's it's uh filled with hypocrisy um, and and you know I don't know how much of what he's saying is even really true sure there's climate change there's always been climate change um but When you look at him, you know, and justifying it, well, I have to fly around the world to, to tell everyone about this. Well, you know, you're getting paid two million a month for it too. And, you know, you've raised the majority of the money flying around the world telling people this and you're, you know, this is your company or you're the high up in the company. I don't know exactly what his position is, but I know that he's the one who's raised all the money by doing this. The point of it is, is that this is a, um a very scary time where people with this kind of wealth and influence are able to to make these kinds of of radical changes where you know you eat bugs and you don't eat meat anymore and uh you know carbon footprints and all of these things that um are distracting us from the real problems out there and I don't know. It's frightening, Patrick. It's almost dystopian. Let's hope that they're not successful. You know, I'll be I'll be giving a speech in Vancouver this week, uh, next Tuesday, at the VRIC Vancouver Resource Investment Conference. The title of my speech is The Great Reset. Can it happen? And yeah, it can. And it, it's the same exact way that I said. If 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 OPEC dumps the dollar and you see them, they've already said they're joining BRICS all 13 OPEC-producing countries on the Belt Road, if they came out and said, we're going to take the new petrol yuan until the BRICS currency is launched, every country on the planet would dump dollars. They don't need to hold them anymore to buy oil. As, and it would become a waterfall as everyone is trying to dump before they lose everything. And as those dollars create a tsunami of inflation hitting our shores, interest rates spike to the moon to compensate for that c- crashing of inflationary value, the crashing of the dollar, which pushes stocks, bonds, and real estate straight to the floor as interest rates go straight up because they're inversely correlated. And all of those distortions I spoke about, the misallocations created through manipulated interest rates and easy money will have a ramification in all of this. And um, you'll see asset prices try to find value in a super high interest rate environment, well, when that happens, stocks, bonds, and real estate collapse, as does the dollar. And all four pillars of wealth in the country like that simultaneously collapse. There's your great reset that Klaus Schwab talks about, where you will own nothing and you'll be happy to rent because you got your ass handed to you so bad when things collapsed. What the Fed is doing is a sideshow. They won't raise rates high enough to really matter. You know, they've, they've raised rates at a faster clip than in history and yet we're still real negative 4% compounding per year for 10 years. That's not a good thing. They haven't gotten tough on inflation and nor will they. They'll blow everything up. But if the rest of the world does, because the dollar is no longer the singular world reserve standard, and you have to ask yourself, by weaponizing the dollar and kicking Russia out of Swift, are they trying to incentivize this? Are they trying to speed up the process. You have to wonder of the consequences. And I think half the world right now is saying, shit, are we next? Are they going to come after us next? So this is why you're seeing them all rally towards this new system, this BRICS system, this CBD system trading on the M-Bridge, which allows them to sidestep swift. They're moving away, pivoting away from the dollar. And when the light switch flips, now here comes the BRICS currency pegged to gold. Um... Why are all the central banks buying it? More gold than at any time since 1967, I want to say. So, you know, they bought more gold than any time in the last 55 years. Why? What do they see coming? Why did all the banks repatriate their gold from the New York Fed and the Bank of England, Bank of Germany, Hungary, Poland, Turkey, the Czech Bank, Bank of Austria, all of these Eastern European banks that, many of which are in the European Union but trade their own currency, why are they loading up on gold? Why was Turkey the largest importer of gold last year? Well, they already said they're joining BRICS. Can't you see they're using massive gold acquisition and accumulation to give themselves a seat at the table? And when you pledge that to a system and everyone has the same weight, that's how it works. The European Union doesn't work because you got Brussels and the Bundesbank telling everyone what to do. And some people are doing this and some people are doing that. Doesn't work. But if you have everyone sitting at the table with equal amount of weight with commodities backing a currency that uh, uh, makes you be prudent, yeah, it'll work. Uh, it'll certainly hurt the U.S. dollar. And that's when things get really, really, really frightening here. That's when you see the Klaus Schwab Great Reset moment. And maybe it's not as far off as people think. Maybe... He's tied in more than we think. I really hope not, but I can in my mind easily see a great reset moment, whether or not it's the one that Klaus is uh, thinking about or not. That's debatable. I could see how it could happen and happen pretty easily, actually, unfortunately.
1: Andy, you've given us a, a lot to, a lot to think about for sure. And I think I'll, I'll wrap it up here and let the viewers think about these things. But before we head out, can you tell us about your company, Miles Franklin, and how they can help the good people out there?
0: So I'm, it's very embarrassing to me, Patrick. We, I've been telling the public since August of last year that our website is just a few weeks away, and it was. We've had to, in the mid, in, in middle of all this, hire new developers. We've had to fire and hire other people. We, there's a lot of things that have happened with what should have been a process that wasn't too difficult. We're almost done with our new website. Our old website is informational. It doesn't allow you to purchase. But people who want to reach out to us can certainly do so by sending us an email at info at milesfranklin. Request a current price sheet. We'd be more than happy to update that and send it out to you. Our prices are amongst the very, very best in North America. We've never had a customer complaint in 33 years and $8 in sales. Um, We'll answer any questions that you have. And uh, please feel free to send us any questions or just request, request a price list at info at milesfranklin.com. We'll make it worth your while. And, uh, Patrick, I think you and I should do this a little more frequently than once every year or two. It's It's been great to catch up with you. I follow what you do from afar. I'm a fan and uh, look forward to uh, picking up where we left off here real soon.
1: I wish you well in Vancouver, and I hope we can do this again soon. That was Andy Sheckman, president of Miles Franklin, sharing his views on the economy and gold and silver. To see more of Andy's views, please follow him on Twitter at A. Sheckman. Or visit their Miles Franklin website at milesfranklin.com. If you like this video, please subscribe, hit that bell to be notified, and give us a thumbs up. We really do appreciate those, and they do help us out a lot. Audio-only versions of this interview can be found on iTunes and Spotify.